Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Absent Minded and who knew that we would have another preview and who knew it would be between these two teams. I'm joined here by friends of the podcast, friends of Eyes on the Prize and if you don't follow him on, on Twitter and especially this couple of weeks that is upcoming uh, but also on The Athletic. Uh, Murat Tesh, thank you for joining me and what kind of prediction you had in regards to, to your team that you're covering. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to get to talk to you again. Uh, I definitely did not conceive of a Winnipeg Jets sweep of the Edmonton Oilers. I didn't even predict a Winnipeg Jets victory, to be clear. And I you didn't predict a, Toronto, a Montreal victory either, so we're all shocked. And neither did I. Let's be honest with that. <laughs> Yeah, Canada busted my bracket. It's it's so strange to feel like, you know, I went six of eight and then the two that I got wrong were the ones right under my nose. So what do I know, right? Like, what do we really know about uh, how to We, we know everything. It's just that we, we, we want to be positively surprised when it comes to our own teams. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, if you're listening, we know everything. Listen to our insights with precision and trust them. Yeah. Well, we, we have to bring it up because obviously two of your predictions were, were spot on before the series with uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. And it was obviously, one wasn't that tough to, to, to predict. It was that Hellebuck had to really play on his top level, and he did. That's the, that's the number one reason and story why Winnipeg not only won, but won in four games. It was perhaps the closest series sweep that has ever happened. I have not been able to find a closer one in that all four games were one goal. Uh, yes, Winnipeg won game one, four to one, but two of those were empty netters. Three of them were in overtime. There are multiple overtimes involved. Uh, so the idea that Winnipeg is dominating or found a way to solve Connor McDavid forever, like throw that out, throw that right out. The Jets genuinely improved, played a sound defensive game from a team structure. There were little adjustments. Dylan DeMello on the top pair, which I've been advocating for forever. But the number one reason why Winnipeg is here and why you and me get to talk <laughs> is because Connor Hellebuck 
found another level. And I think he's leading the NHL in goal saved above expectation right now. Um, and that, I think that says it all to me. He's a, he's Winnipeg's number one player. Uh, and we, we sort of expected him to be either, even if they would have lost, but, but at this pace, he, he really uh, stood up on his head. And, and you have to, when you're facing that dual monster of, of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he would have had to, no matter what the outcome was, he needed to be Winnipeg's best player. And I think, I think there have been times in Connor Hellebuck's playoff history where he's dominant for stretches and then there's a giveaway behind his own net or something to that effect. I can think of one against Vegas in 2018. I can think of one against Calgary last summer. There are these things that happen that somehow sometimes undo some of his excellence. There was none of that against Edmonton. It was it was almost perfection from start to finish. It was really the opposite way around, wasn't it? Because Smith played reasonably well and, and should really have won that series if you look to high danger scoring chances, et cetera, et cetera. But there were some unforced errors or forced errors in their own end. And and that it really hurt the Oilers in that case, especially I think it was the one in overtime where where when a big one one nil in was it second overtime? Third? It was in the morning here, so I watched it live. <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping all of my overtime straight, but I think that that was the I think the one nil game was was first overtime, and the only one that went really long was the triple overtime game four. But yeah, so it was the triple overtime game four I'm thinking about because I I had gift McDavid going off like. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I, another comment actually on the series that relates to what you're saying is that, yes, Winnipeg won 4 nothing, but every, I want to say, inch by inch, moment by moment, every time it seemed like it could go off the rails for Winnipeg, something happened in, in the Jets' favor. And so game one, Yessi Puglia-Yarvi scored the first goal of the series for Edmonton. Oilers go up one nothing in the second period. It was a great play by, great play, pardon me, by Edmonton. Dominic Cahoon took the puck from Dylan DeMello behind the net. McDavid made a pass, D to D, shot, rebound. Yessi Puglia-Yarvi pounces on it one nothing. And in Winnipeg, the story against Edmonton all season long was that the Oilers would kill you in transition. If Winnipeg starts chasing the game, opens up too much, gets away from its own structure, then McDavid and Dreisaitl are just going like gangbusters in the other direction. Well, just two and a half minutes later, Blake Wheeler leads a two-on-two with Tucker Pullman against former Jet Dmitry Kulikov and also Adam Larson. Now, those two players, the defensemen, kind of get their switch mixed up as Tucker Pullman drives the net. They let him go, so that's one mistake. Mistake number two, Wheeler fires a soft wrist shot from the point. It bounces off Mike Smith generously to Tucker Pullman in the slot, and then Tucker Pullman takes his third shot of the entire year from that close to the goalie. This is not a common sight. He scores his first goal of 2021. Again, not a common sight. But because Winnipeg was able to kind of do the right thing, they got a chance, they buried, they got the bounce off of Smith as well. Um, all of a sudden, it's 1-1. Winnipeg has a little bit more confidence. They don't need to chase the game. Winnipeg ends up winning that game on a double deflection by Dominic Toninato. All of a sudden, Edmonton panics heading into game two. They change their lines, unite McDavid and Dreisaitl. So just one other play going a different way. If, if Mike Smith had been Connor Hellebuck, the story may have been completely reversed. Yeah, and, and you have to point out the other thing you actually called perfectly before the series. You said the question mark in regards to, to the Jets was Nick Ehlers. And you also said that he would push that out into an exclamation mark. And that's exactly what he did. 
I think that Nick Ehlers is perhaps the best Winnipeg Jets forward, and he is certainly the most underrated Winnipeg Jets forward. So from a question mark point of view, first of all, was his health. Um, th there was no guarantee that he'd be ready to start the series, and indeed he was not. Winnipeg was able to get the win anyways, but he's able to make an appearance and score, I believe it was two goals, but the one that I'm thinking of for sure is the overtime game winner. And this is a player that had his playoff reputation questioned very early on in his career. Through his first couple of seasons, he wasn't putting up the points like other young stars like Kyle Connor or Mark Shipley in, in playoff situations. And it got to the point of trade rumors. You know, the idea that Winnipeg was shopping this guy who couldn't perform in the playoffs for defensive help. You know, there were some rumors that involved Carolina. You know, I, I've heard some things that, that actually legitimize a, a, a lot of those things that we heard. But Winnipeg held on to him. They knew better. And in the end, holding on to him became a difference maker. He was Winnipeg's best forward during the season. Um, he's Winnipeg's most productive forward in terms of points per minute. He's at full health now. He's flying now. He's scoring game-winning goals now. He produces in the playoffs. I think he's got, I think it's something like when he scored those two, it became four goals in his last five playoff games as well. He is the threat. You're going to see Philip Dano mark, matched against Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and, and Kyle Connor. I'm sure of it. But Nick Ehlers continues to be an X factor offensively for Winnipeg. Uh, it's very interesting, and, and we're glad to have you on. Obviously, you should follow Murat Tesh on, on Winnipeg. Uh, Murat Tesh, VPN, isn't it? WVPN, isn't it? WPG Murat. Yeah. So I'm Murat, claiming to be yeah. the only Murat from Winnipeg. I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, well, you are. You're, you're the only one that counts, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, looking forward to the series with with Montreal. Obviously, we're a little bit shocked and and shell shocked. And I've just watched Steve Dangle's uh, YouTube video, and and it hurts. Even as a Habs fan, it hurts to see him in this way. But but uh, we're a bit shell shocked about what happened and how it happened. And and obviously the curse is on. Um, it took it took some years for for both the Cubs and the Sox to to. Uh, or Red Sox to 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 get rid of their curses. We it, it seems to be taking quite a few years for for Toronto as well. But are you what what surprised you most with with Montreal's win? That's a great question. I think that my my default answer is that it happened. I have to be <laughs> honest. Uh, I I really rated Toronto as as perhaps, no, not perhaps, as the best team in Canada, especially at creating really high quality scoring chances from the middle of the ice. Uh, and whether it was off of cycle plays, rush plays, creative little um, one-touch passes into the middle from the half wall or the point, they had ideas and they had the skill set. whether it was Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, uh, who clearly, you know, the world is unhappy with, with their prod production anyway, if not performance, uh, in, in, especially in Marner's case. Um, I thought John Tavares was going to be a big threat. Unfortunately for the Leafs, that injury certainly hurt. Um, Jake Muzzin as well. a terrible injury. It's, it's unfortunate in so many ways. Absolutely. And, and, and really, I mean, you'll have watched clips more, me, more than me. It just seems like one of those worst-case scenarios. But I, I, I didn't see anything vicious in it. It's just unfortunate for Toronto that, that John Tavares was taken out of that series. But all, all of that aside, all of this, you know, we talked to death this idea that Toronto's the favorite, Montreal's the underdog, and, and here are all the reasons, here's all the depth. The thing that I kept coming back to was, was Jack Campbell in Toronto's net was what really turned that team in 
from from a question mark around Frederick Anderson and goaltending into a real dominant performer over the course of the regular season. He was excellent through most of the playoffs, especially early on again. But then you look at every NHL player you ever talk to. Who would you most in the world want in your net game seven of the Stanley Cup finals? And they say Carey Price, even though it's been a few years since he had the best stats in the NHL for what seemed like forever. Um, he it, People still say... Though. Uh, arrested Kerry Price. <laughs> <laughs> there is a slight difference there, but but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the context is important, uh, but they still choose him, right? They, there's this belief that he will elevate and find a way. And 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 I wondered, I was beginning to wonder, well, what what is more important here, the recency or or the multiple gold medalists, seven-time All-Star, whatever it is. And in game seven, Jack Campbell says he gives up the worst goal of his life or one of the worst goals of his life, I believe he said in the media. Mm -hmm. And you have Carey Price, calm as can be, um, playing. Now, I think it was just 22 or 23 shots that he faced, but still some of those were very difficult. Uh, anytime Austin Matthews shoots is a difficult shot. And, and I think that he gives that team the exact same belief that Connor Hellebuck gives Winnipeg. It's a special emotional boost for them. So Carey Price versus young Carey Price? I still go with like 20, 2014 gold medalist Carey Price. I, I I think that that's one of the most special goaltenders that that there ever has been, and uh, and the idea that he can still reach those heights at any given moment is special. Uh, but yeah, I guess I, I still can't help but wait these most recent few years as as a question mark, uh, whatever the context might be. Yeah, but uh, do do you see? Is it Connor Hellebuck that is that? 2014 coming up now against the, the, the veteran Kerry Price in the other on the opposite side of the ice. Oh, I get the implication now. You're asking, like, is this the ascendance of the next wave? You know, I don't want to believe that in a way because I would like to believe in continued Canadian dominance at international events, you know, and I don't like it kind of about being a Michigan Panaceas. Um, like that that that's a frightening concept. But we this is a guy who I mean, he's not a Vezina Trophy finalist this year, but I'm sure he's just outside. Um, again, another incredible year in terms of goal saved above expectation. Last year, he's a Vezina Trophy winner. The year before that, he was, you know, on the outside of the podium, but still a strong year. The year before that, he finished second. He's put together a body of work that says that, yes, maybe there's mistakes here or there. The other place, puck handling has been terrifying. And man, those those bell center stanchions have, have cost Carey Price, sorry, cost Prater me Connor Hellebuck this year. See, I'm conflating them now. I'm, I'm using both one when I mean the other. Um, but we have the, we have a multiple year peak that shows that this guy is one of the best uh, in the world. Indeed. And, and it will come down to, to goal time. I mean, like you look at teams that are structured a little bit differently, but there are similarities between them. But there's also the, the big thing is really the the goaltender behind everything that that needs to create that calm as you say the belief in in the team and you, you hear I heard from from Eric Gustafson that hasn't really played very much in in the series but he was like Kerry Price gives us that you know leverage that that calm that mentality that we can achieve anything and and I'm sure that Hellebuck gives that to, to, to the Jets as well. Exactly right. And I think from even before game one against Edmonton, Blake Wheeler was leading his, you know, his press conferences with, well, why, why should we believe that they have a, a chance to win that series? And it's because 
Connor Hallebuck gives us confidence is his answer. I, and I mean, uh, there's no series review from any Winnipeg Jet that hasn't put Connor Hellebuck first and foremost on the list of, of reasons why Winnipeg got through Edmonton. And if Winnipeg gets through Montreal, I, I feel like Connor Hellebuck will once again be a story. Now, the depth, and there's, you know, there's no Connor McDavid, um, there's no Leon Dreisaitl, but there's four very good lines. There's a defense that like can really protect the front of the, the net. There's a very physical defense. And... Um, I guess what I'm, I'm building towards is that we see this as Hellebuck versus Price in a way. And I think that that, I, I would like to reframe that as, you know, Winnipeg Jets offense versus uh, Montreal's defense and Carey Price and Montreal's offense versus Winnipeg's defense and Connor Hellebuck, because it's not as though Hellebuck and Price are the ones shooting on each other, right? Um, but so that would be great. Can, can we have shootouts like that? <laughs> <laughs> a little mini sticks tournament in the hotel or something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're completely right. It, it comes down to offense versus defense on both ends of the of, of the ice. And there are some interesting things, and, and we can look forward to, to the Jets, what they're bringing. But what is what does the, the Jets media write about the three youngsters that has really performed in this series? Uh, Suzuki, uh, Kotkaniemi, and obviously Caulfield. Yeah, you know what? I haven't seen too much in Winnipeg print. Now, now, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I try to stay in my lane and like, I have not written the Watch Out for Those Three Youngsters article, though they make... An but, but it might come out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to leverage this. Either that or you're foretelling the future. I don't know. Maybe there's a big game there. Yeah. But in watching that series, they, they did stand out to me as players who could become dangerous. And you were wondering, or I was wondering okay, well, Montreal can hang in there and hang in there and Carey Price is playing great. What, what is that X factor going to be? Where are they going to get their chance? And for me, number one in my mind was honestly, it was Tyler Toffoli. I thought that he continued to, to look dangerous throughout. But when they got their chances, Suzuki and Caulfield for me were, were just capable of creating something out of nothing almost. And then you have Kakanyemi scoring just massive, massive goal, right? Uh, so... I think that they don't get as much press as they could outside of, of Montreal-focused markets. That may change in an awful hurry, depending on what the what the narrative comes here. I think that if you ask Winnipeg, the matchups right now is about, well, who handles Mark Scheifele? Well, okay, great. That's I'm sure that's going to be Philip Dano. And then it's, well, what do you do with Adam Lowry, Andrew Kopp, and Mason Appleton, which is traditionally the checking line? Um, do you just roll four lines, or do you give to Foley... And he's playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Is that right? Is, so do, do they get a hard match or is there some other alternate method? And, uh, you know, I think, I think youth and, and not knowing any better can sometimes be a real strength in the playoffs, you know, that you know, just, just playing loose and, and naturally. And, and they're so good. That, and the that, chemistry has started to gel there as well, especially with Suzuki and Caulfield. They seem to, to just yeah. find each other. I think that they're special players and this is worth a fact check. And I know you're a draft expert in a lot of ways, um, but I believe Suzuki was, was, was acquired from Vegas. Is that not right? Yeah. In and, the Apache Star trade. Okay. Vegas took Suzuki with the pick acquired from Winnipeg for the right to protect, protect Toby Enstrom in the, in the two, in the expansion draft. And at the time, it helped Winnipeg keep a top four that it was really counting on. And Buffalo and Enstrom that following season 
um, were just impossible to create chances against. It was it was marvelous and it was brilliant. But if you ask Winnipeg now if they would rather have Christian Veselainen, who they took with their switch of picks, or or Suzuki, I I think that that would be an easy and obvious answer because of how uh, I I also think that. With a pick that Montreal got from Vegas, along with Tatar and Suzuki for Pacioretty, they picked Norlinder, who played with Enstrom and Moto two years ago. <laughs> Small world and, and a tangle. So it all goes around, yeah. But but uh, looking at the, the series over the, the, the season, it's a nine-game series. Looking at sharp numbers, it's 6-3 to Jets, but it could also be interpreted or read as 3-3-3. Three, three and three. Depending on like overtimes and shootouts and yeah, and like. exactly. Yeah, I. So it's a closer series, I, maybe than you think. Absolutely, and in preparing for Jets Oilers, you know, we looked at that season series, and what did that teach us? Well, you know, if a team changes how it plays, it can change the end result. Um, so it's yeah, throw it out the window exactly, and and for me. When I size up Winnipeg and Montreal, so I'm not looking at the results. I, I, I guess I, I learned my lesson the hard way I, from round one. Um, I, it's process for me. It's process. And there are times when Montreal check can be so fast and so heavy um, that it takes away Winnipeg's defenseman's time and space to move the puck. And Winnipeg has, tr- has trouble breaking the puck out and, and leading in a transition offense. So I think that that's been something, that'll be something I'd be concerned about if I were Winnipeg. I love Pierre-Luc Dubois' line, and I keep going back to this, where he said Montreal Sportcheck comes out of nowhere and can be like bees on the ice. The idea that you call them bees, just, I don't know, something about them swarming makes sense to me. Um, the Bell Center so has to be known as the bee hive. Like. <laughs> I like that too. I like that too. Uh, it's just... Now, I, I don't know how, like, you know, if, if there are any fans who would then associate bees with the Boston logo or so, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I like I like the battle in terms of style of play because I think that Montreal at its best takes away time and space in a really unique way that Winnipeg has struggled at. So if Winnipeg is going to be able to cope with it, move the puck well, uh, generate that transition, spend more time in Montreal's end, it will be because the Jets... You know, they made adjustments against McDavid in round one, but they need to make adjustments to make sure the puck moves quickly and effectively against Montreal in round two. And and there's a little bit of cat and mouse there to me that I, I really look forward to seeing how it plays. You mentioned the cat and mouse between coaches. We saw Keith didn't really adjust after uh, Ducharme adjusted after 3-1 down or, or or just throw in the towel and said, go go for go go out, play the way we want to play and we don't care anymore and, and <laughs> turning the series around. But, but how can... How, how good of a match coach is Paul Maurice? You know what? I really appreciated his work in round one. Um, part of that was, like I say, every time it seemed like things were going against Winnipeg, something good happened for them. So it turned out to be Tippett who needed to, to shuffle lines or feel feel like he needed to shuffle lines, even if things had been going all right for the Oilers at that stretch. So Paul Maurice kind of looked like he was one step ahead the entire way through Uh, that series and I think got the better of the coaching situation um one of the things I can point to specifically was to my mind finally uh putting Dylan DeMello with Josh Morrissey on Winnipeg's top pair there's a there's a sense and I I think I've seen this tweeted maybe by Ardom Lushishan that um Josh Morrissey is the most overrated uh top pairing defenseman because his analytics look really quite bad his shot metric based analytics look 
quite bad over the last couple of years. He's played with a revolving door of partners, many of them AHL caliber or NHL third pairing caliber. It's been a tough go for Josh Morrissey in terms of uh, in terms of the context he plays in. But if there's one partner with whom he has excelled, it's Dylan DeMello. Better of the shot metrics, better of the expected goals metrics, and oftentimes he's the only one that Morrissey has that success with. Well, they went to that, that pairing against Edmonton in round one. And if you remember earlier in, in our show here where I said that DeMello was the one who got pickpocketed for Yessi Puyuyarvi's first goal, and Pullman was the one who scored Winnipeg's first goal to equal it out. Winnipeg had a chance to overreact to that, had a chance to say, oh, well, look, Tucker Pullman, who we used to play with Josh Morris, he just did something wonderful. Let's make that switch. They resisted that urge. And then in triple overtime against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, it was Morrissey and DeMello with chemistry excelling in a way that I don't think any other Jets pairing could. So if, it's, if only it was sticking to their guns, that would have been a win for Paul Maurice in terms of matchup. And then I also think that there was a change or two to Winnipeg's sport check against McDavid and Dreisaitl, which helped. So I think he's been quite good. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a chance to, to pick the winner anyway. I know you don't want to, but but <laughs> how, how will this series finish? Or, or are you just going to go by how many matches it's going to be <laughs> in the series? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say something. I have to. You have to make a call, right? But I, I'll admit my confidence in Canada is shaken by going 0-2. Uh, and I'll admit that to me there's a, a whole pile of I have no idea that goes into yeah. this. At it's, the it's same the, time. It's the week off. It's the Montreal riding on a high. There, there are so many variables that we, we don't know anymore. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. I feel I feel the exact same way. And then, I mean, either goalie can steal any moment. And um, so at the end of the day, though, I do rate Winnipeg's forward depth more highly than I do that of the Canadians. Um, I, I know it will be tough for the Jets to get to the center of the ice against players like Weber and Sherratt and Jeff Petrie, who are just so physical in, in those those areas. But I think that Winnipeg matches up well, should have uh, should have the offensive depth to exploit uh, some matchups. Because even if Shifley is neutralized by Dano, you have Paul Stastny, Nick Ehlers, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think have another level to give in the playoffs still. So I'm going to say uh, goaltending will be great on both sides. Uh, you know, there'll be some gutsy defensive efforts. And it will be, you know, Winnipeg's second or third line finding some some moments to exploit that would be the difference in a in a Jets six game victory. All right, I'll say uh, Montreal in seven, Cowfield and Suzuki the difference makers. Beautiful, beautiful, good. And um, and 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 we'll still be friends after, right? One of us has to be right, is the thing, right? Where our brackets are busted in Canada right now, but yeah. at the end of the series, one of us will have been right about who won. Yeah, uh, it's always a pleasure. Make sure to follow Murat. Uh, his reads on Athletic is, is great, uh, especially during this series. I think I think it's be invaluable for you to understand the, the Winnipeg Jets going forward or, or for the foreseeable two-week period, at least. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I, I really wish for, for the North Division to stay together. The rivalries has really started to form and, and it makes for interesting hockey. There's also the difference between the, the sides in many ways um a beats b that beats c um <laughs> but 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 we'll see we'll see what goes on in the future uh a pleasure having you on thank you for doing this and uh, 
If the sound is a little bit weird, I'm actually recording this from my car. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.